Welcome to another edition of Digging Deeper with Brian Hale, brought to you by Hale Multimedia, website and mobile app development for over 25 years. That's HaleMultimedia.com. Now listen in and join me online at DiggingDeeper.us. Ugly. We've got a very bad subject to talk about. And it's something that has to happen. We have to talk about this and we have to spread this ugly. We cannot back down from this ugly. All of these things lead to other ugly issues. This, this one thing, if we want any chance to save this society anywhere in the world, if we want to have any good place left on earth, we must stop human trafficking. Especially child trafficking. I think it's the one thing that can bring us all together. That's kind of what, you know, like we said before, when we give you an ugly, ugly situation, an ugly topic, we're immediately going to try to turn around and give you hope and a solution. And so there it is. Thank you, Miss Andy. This is an ugly topic. I was about ready to dive into it. And you helped me remember that we must bring up this ugliness in order to have a common cause that every one of us, every one of us, even if we don't have children, because we do have a brother, a sister, a mother, and none of us wants to be the victim or to know a victim of a kidnapping or murder or even worse, a trafficking. The statistics are so ugly and, and so dark that I'm a little bit at a loss for words. So let me just jump to what I really want to tell you about. I have some new heroes. I have some new heroes in life. Now I knew, I knew back when I saw The Passion of the Christ, I knew that Jim Caviezel was special. I knew Jim Caviezel was amazing. In fact, I did a little study on Jim Caviezel and found out that he was actually so good at basketball that he was Michael Jordan-esque. He was that good. There were lots of opportunity for him to pursue basketball. And instead, he went a different direction. Now, Jim Caviezel, in my mind, is a hero, but not because he's an actor, not because he was Michael Jordan-esque but because of the new movie that he's going to do with a guy named Tim Ballard, my other hero. I have some others in this, two others I want to mention. I really have to mention them, and you'll hear them in the story. But Tim Ballard is an ex-CIA operative that was involved in an operation overseas that didn't allow him to continue because of rules and regulations, governmental red tape. And he had to walk away from the opportunity to save some children's lives. And because of red tape in the U.S. government, he was told to leave the mission be and come home. I'm not going to spoil it for you here and tell you what his decision was and what, it, what led up to that and who his rock was. So I'm just going to let you listen. 
into a special with Tim Ballard and Jim Caviezel doing their best to shed some light on the darkness. They have an organization, O-U-R. Yeah, OurRescue.org is the Operation Underground Railroad. Yep. And it is by no happenstance that that might remind you of another term used back in slavery days. The Underground Railroad. Right. We all know what it was. It was the freedom pathway for our slaves to reach freedom. The Underground Railroad made it possible for those to escape from the tyranny and the torture. So Tim has formed an organization and found the blessing of some very amazing people to join him in this cause. I'm going to play a trailer for you here for the movie that I just talked about. And then once we have that trailer, then we'll go straight on into the interview. This is the Operation Underground Railroad. I'm serious, guys. Hold on to your seats, y'all. job, Tim. As soon as I lay down, all you see are those kids' faces. How long have you been doing this? Twelve years. How do you do it? It is the fastest growing international crime network that the world has ever seen. It has already passed the illegal arms trade, and soon it's going to pass the drug trade. Imagine walking into a room right now, seeing an empty bed. What will we do? Children stars drift around in the sky. We're Homeland Security. You know we can't go off rescuing kids in Colombia. This job tears you to pieces. This is my one chance to put those pieces back together. We're talking about extracting an 11-year-old girl from an army of rebels. Not just her. I'm talking about rescuing hundreds of kids. She could be a block down the road, or she could be in Moscow, Bangkok, L.A. Over two million children a year are being sucked into the deepest recesses of hell. If we do nothing, someday it's going to reach the likes of you. What if this was your daughter? approached several years ago by a production company that wanted to do a feature film that tells the story of our child rescue mission uh, from the time I was in the government to when I why I left and where we went who we rescued and and you know three years ago they said who who, who do you want to play you if you could pick any actor in the world and 
I said, oh, that's easy, Jim Caviezel, if you can get him. And, you know, three years later, here we are. They got him to, to, to commit to playing, to playing me in this, in this film. And uh, in about three weeks, uh, we're heading down to, to, to Bogota, Colombia to begin filming uh, what's currently called The Sound of Freedom, the, 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 the story of Operation Underground Railroad. Tim, what was it about Jim Caviezel that said, this is the guy that has to portray me? And Jim, what was it about this role that said, I got to do this role? Well, I'll tell you that um, a couple things, some things I can't articulate, I, I guess. Uh, the Count of Monte Cristo was always kind of the go-to movie for me. It was so inspiring. Jim was inspiring in that, uh, the, the way that, that, that the, I know there's a, there a light in the message and what he portrayed in that. And then, of course, the Passion of the Christ. Uh, it, it's important to me. It's so much of what we do and our foundation is based on our faith. On our, on our belief in God and in prayer. And it was important that the person leading this project had those fundamental beliefs as well. If you went back uh, years ago when I was making the choice to be an actor, I almost never became an actor. I almost never, never married my beautiful wife of uh, 22 years. I almost never adopted my children. I almost never played Jesus in the Passion. All of them were tough decisions to make, but they were the right decisions to make. And um, after the passion, um, my wife and I adopted a little boy who had a brain tumor. And uh, we didn't know the outcome. We didn't know if it would be good or bad. We went back to China to get him. And uh, uh, of course, we have a friend of ours who was helping m me in this adopting, uh, uh, Jenny Ho, and who happens to be family friends with his family, another coincidence. And uh, then we, so we got uh, Bo and went through the surgery. It was a, 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 a miraculous surgery from 7 o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. Um, he had brain surgery, and then uh, we ended up adopting another, a, a little girl who also had a brain tumor. Um, our final uh, little boy had cancer. We went through chemotherapy with him. And, um, People would ask me in my industry, what about unwanted children? I said, I have three of them, and I want them. And so I read this script, and here are these unwanted children, and it broke my heart. And the story was really compelling, and it, and it just, uh, to me, it's the second most important film I've done since The Passion. Jim, you have said that playing Jesus Christ in The Passion of the Christ by Mel Gibson changed your life. Yep. How did it change your life? And how did that, does that change inform how you were approaching playing Tim Ballard? Well, first of all, Tim is going into places that are very dangerous. It, it, just like, you know, some of the great uh, saints, the martyrs of the church, they put their lives on the line. And I, he has my ultimate respect, especially saving little children. Um, I talked to Tim about it earlier, about, you know, where's your view on slavery? Oh, I'd have been there. Okay, what about the Jews and, and Auschwitz? Oh, I'd have been there for them. What about Jesus? You know, I played him, oh, I'd have been there for them. I said, what do you think about children? Oh, I don't want to hear that. I said, I'm sorry, you wouldn't have been there for the Jew, or you wouldn't have been there for Jesus and several other. What's going on right now? This is happening uh, everywhere. And he had my profound uh, respect. I didn't know that, you know, 
I just wanted to be an actor, but I didn't realize it was going to involve me getting electrocuted, having open heart surgery, uh, struggling uh, physically, which is what I did uh, after the, f the film. And um, I had to grow up as a human being. Ego is really checked. Um, you know, when you think a man told me one time, TNT, boom. He says, I want you to remember this, TNP, take nothing personal, because that's what it takes to do something, playing a controversial image like Jesus. You represent that to the world, and many people hate him. But for those that love him, it's worth it. Mm. You truly went through the valley of the shadow of death in portraying Jesus Christ in Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ. Share with us what that did to you spiritually and what it did to you physically. Well, my makeup times were from 2 in the morning till 10 in the morning. And then from 10.30 to 4.30, I was usually freezing on a cross. Mel had shot it at many different angles, and then I got hypothermia. I had to come back and take a two-hour shower to get all this makeup that they'd never uh, had tried before. It was the first time ever done. Um, after that, the infection started on the skin. Uh, I had to go learn the Aramaic, the Hebrew, and the Latin. And of course, it's a whole, for an English-speaking American, it's a completely different place in the mouth, and you, you have to work on that, and you're exhausted. Um, I was bedded by 11 o'clock at night, and I was up at 2. Same thing. And then eventually, the cold got to me, and I got sick. Um, then eventually pneumonia came in and then I experienced a shoulder separation. After the shoulder separation, they put me back on the cross and when the winds would hit the cross, because we're on a thousand foot cliff and the thing is going back and forth and you know, the thing gets, could snap off, you're tied up and every time that uh, it'd be five knot winds and all of a sudden, because you're on a thousand foot drop, it's like the Grand Canyon, the wind would come up and all of a sudden it'd be a 30 knot wind and it would snap your shoulder out. I started to uh, lose a lot of weight. I got very sick and this went on for months and uh, five and a half months of that uh, afterwards I had uh, problems with heart murmurs. I was in AFib all the time. Um, my first surgery was in 2009. Um, they tried to uh, correct the um, through ablation surgery and then the so I was taking Coumadin and all kinds of medication to control the heart. And in 2014, my a valve completely collapsed. And that was probably from the um, infections that I was getting um, from the flu and the virus that I got while I was doing the filming. The, 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 uh, the, 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 the congratulations, as far as working after the film was the biggest film that year, uh, it was no jobs. Um, you don't, you know, and I know Mel uh, didn't show the greatest behavior at that time, but uh, I just played Jesus. So why are you not, uh, you know, why are you avoiding me? Um, and it's just, you just don't get it uh, kind of a thing. And, and I, get, I go back to the whole thing, and this is part of, you know, when I read the the Bible and it talks about the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are you when you're persecuted. And in fact, it talks about it in the movie. I never would ever go back and say that I made a mistake. I would have made the worst mistake if I never made that. And uh, that was 
the, the thing is a, is a, a believer in uh, Christ and a Christian faith, um, you can't avoid the cross. There is going, every athlete has to go through suffering, right, to be sure, a champion. Sure. There's no pill I can take uh, to get myself in shape. You have to do the work. And um, I was just so blessed because I look at my own uh, transgressions against God and I say, gee, why would you pick me? But he did. He doesn't always choose the best, but he chose you. So what are you going to do? You were available. And, 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 and I come back to this film. Tim, you know, saw a movie I did in Monte Cristo. And, and uh, I always, my favorite scene in that movie is always the, you know, when Richard Harris plays the priest, is dying on the ground in a moment of real despair. He looks up and he says, Don Test, your final lesson, do not commit the crime you now serve the sentence for. Remember, God saith, vengeance is mine. And I looked down at him, and really from my own heart, I said, but I don't believe in God. In other words, God could never love a sinner like me. And he says, it doesn't matter. He believes in you. And I broke. And it wasn't written that way. It just was. And he happened to see that movie and moved him. And, and he came around to me to, to, to do this one. And I really believe in the cause. And it's worth your life. Tim, your Operation Underground Railroad really slides against the grain in so many ways. I mean, truly, there is nothing else out there like Underground Rail Operation Underground Railroad. How difficult is it for you to stay on task, and what are some of the challenges that you face in going in? To these countries. Yeah, you're right. This this is in so many ways going against the grain. And people told me I was crazy uh, to leave my my government job to go do this, uh, to to privatize the rescue of children. How is that even possible? It's 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 a new mold that we were trying to build about creating private public partnerships. And the reason we did it was because this problem. I mean, this is the fastest growing criminal enterprise on the planet. By the millions, children are being taken and abused in the worst ways. And I recognized that unless we created a movement around it, it wasn't going to go away. And the only way to create a movement is to create a vehicle that, where you can invite people to come in. That, that's, that's what a nonprofit can do. That's what a private organization can do. Um, we, we can invite people in and participate and build this movement. Uh, but it was new. It was a new concept. And some of the challenges have been uh, to convince some, some of our government partners that this is a good model and, and we can prove it. You know, be, before we could rescue five to ten kids in one, in one hit, well, well now it's up to, we can do 20, 30, 40. Why? Because we can attack it together. The government does what they do best, we do what we do best, uh, the aftercare partners do what they do best, and together it's, it's explosive what, what can happen. And then we invite the people in. All the people of the world can rise up and do and, and play their role. Um, and so it's, it's, it's been somewhat of a challenge, but we've broken through a lot of those barriers. We, uh, the, our, our Utah uh, politicians have been great. Uh, Senator Hatch has helped us with a new bill that we, he, he got it passed in the Senate, working in the House, that formalizes exactly what I'm talking about, creating, formalizing a fusion center where, where the private and public sectors come together to attack modern-day slavery. Uh, and so we have made progress, uh, and it's through uh, you know, people in the media, Fox 13 has been wonderful telling our stories, which, what Jim's doing for us now. Uh, it's, it's about telling the story and providing the solution, the light. It's a light in the darkness and, and, and inviting people to be part of that light. Mm. Mm. Is that what attracted you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, right now we celebrate evil. 
God can bring good from evil, but uh, so much of the time now, we this is not like back in the day when Chuck Keston was doing, you know, Judah Ben-Hur. You do a movie like that now, like The Passion, you're going to get hit for it. And uh, we celebrate evil, it seems. But regardless, um, what am I going to do? And um, we were just with Mike Tomlin the other day, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers football coach. And, and of course, people are talking about uh, the whether to kneel or stand or in the flag salute. And, uh, I, you know, this people spilled their blood. Why can't we stand in union uh, with each other and say, hey, you know, regardless of what we agree on, disagree on something, we have to be together. On There were many great Americans that gave their lives for this and that we have the ability to uh, agree or disagree on in issues. But nonetheless, National Football League, people are talking about it. Now, that's a big league. $13 billion made last year. Imagine that the NFL is not even a JV team compared to uh, sexual trafficking. Imagine being on the freshman team because sex trafficking is three, three times, makes three times more money. If money is the God, then it's three times more powerful than the NFL. And yet people are doing this I, I, putting their head in the sand like an ostrich. I, I can't live that way. And this, I have such respect for this guy. He's such a uh, wonderful man, but he's doing a lot of the things that Mother Teresa did. You know, and I, and I summarize what, what she said, that any country that kills its own children has no future. And if we continue to allow this to go on, there will be no place to hide. What are the two of you doing to prepare for this project and you portraying Tim Ballard. Yeah. Well, I, I get to turn my hair blonde right now. They haven't quite got that right. Because it's usually dark. Yeah. <laughs> I get to be around him, and I try to find what's common between uh, both of us. And um, I was telling Tim, and I was like, you know, I was given a gift to act, but it's not my gift. It came from above. And I so respect him because he could have done something, you know, for himself, and he's not. He's doing it, and, and it takes people like that to die on themselves. Billy Graham did the same thing. You know, you, you have to, this isn't my, uh, my choice is, to, is, is, is choosing my father to come into my life and to come through the work that I do, because I want, it's not my light, it's his. But I ask him as a servant, just say, please, will you help me here and play the best Tim that I can on the screen and uh, make the best film, and I know that, we have a great um, uh, filmmaker in Alejandro and his artistic uh, sense of it because it, it is so hard that, you know, you can't just show the darkness here, but you've got to find the way to pierce that darkness using light and different things with the artistry and filmmaking, which is right on, he's right on target with that. So we'll have, whether people see the film or not, I, uh, you know, it was kind of my idea when I made Monte Cristo, I said, look, um, I know there have been 19 versions of this movie. Uh, there might have been ones better than mine, but still, you're not taking God out of this movie. It's going to be in it. He will be in this film. So what physically are you guys doing to prepare for filming? Well, so, so that's one reason Jim's up here in Utah this week. Uh, we've been putting him through basically a crash course, trying to get his, um, you know, him into the heart and soul and mind of, 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 our, of our mission. Uh, we've, we, we have all our operators that a lot of them came in from overseas to come help 
uh, train him. We've been going through footage. Uh, we, we actually planned a real rescue mission that's coming up soon. And, and he'll and go on it? He'll, he'll likely go on it and, and go undercover. And um, he's been training with our SEALs this week. Wow. Close quarter combat training, CQC, and um, just all the things. That, and he, of course, he'll be down there, too, to say, Tim, what would you do in this particular um, situation right here? And um, um, there's a lot of measuring. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, it finally, it just starts to... You start to get what this thing is, and uh, then the film, when they go to edit it, it just if you do it right, it's quite remarkable. It starts to take a life of its own, and uh, hopefully it's better than even what we uh, shoot. Mm. Two plus two equals five. Sometimes kind of a thing. It's exactly right. Operation Underground Railroad works with various jurisdictions around the world and various agencies and I, I would imagine there is sometimes a frustration level depending on where you are operating in the effectiveness of what you're doing out there. Absolutely. I mean, I'll tell you this, probably 90% of the countries we work in, the case that we work with them is their first anti-trafficking case they've ever, they've ever done. Um, you know, a lot of them have the laws on the books because of a lot of international pressure that's in the last decade that's kind of been placed upon them. They have the laws, but then they say, well, well what do we do? I mean, how do we infiltrate these trafficking organizations? And that's where we come in and say, well, we can teach you how to do it. Every, from the digital forensic side, from, you know, go, going undercover on, on, on the deep, on the dark net, uh, to physical undercover. What do you want? And we can teach you. We can bring you the tools. Um, unfortunately, this is a sad commentary in our, our own country, but the, we are the demand for child sex. I mean, the, the highest consumer of child pornography is the United States. It's shameful. So that's why they can use our operators who are Western-looking, American-looking, and they, in these, these law enforcement agencies like in Colombia, for example, or Mexico or wherever we're working, they can place us in the right place, sign us up as informants, and we can get in quick in, into the darkest parts of, of, the, of the trafficking networks um, and, and and so it's it's you know it's, it's 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 a challenge mostly on the legal side to make sure the prosecution is a good one that, that the right precedents are, are being set uh, and and we are kind of helping them through that we have a full-time prosecutor on our staff who goes down and helps them see how they can apply their laws so it's not just about the action and finding that's actually the easy part of the whole thing is finding the bad guy selling the kids it's so prevalent the hard part is the political side, the prosecutorial side, the legal side, to make sure it's done right, to convince them, to the, the, our partners to have the courage to go for this and be the first to, to, to jump into this uh, dark world. There, I just want to say something that's quite remarkable. I was sitting in the, in the operation room, and the, the, the great care of, of planning the operation, but once it's done, it's not as if they just leave because the kids I mean, they could be taken out, and there you go again. And, and who, what's going to happen to them? Probably suffer a lot worse. Um, but they're, you know, uh, when we take the children out, let's not bring them down to the jail, jail cell. You know, you have some eight-year-old child that's in a it com traumatized. Com traumatized. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, the care that they say is like, well, let's get them away from the facility. Let's put them in a place that's not a jail, and it's a, you know, some beautiful area where they can relax and start to dethaw. Um, we were talking about the, uh, the syndrome, the Stockholm syndrome, Stockholm syndrome that, uh, you know, that these kids have. Um, they're terror terrorized. And if, what is that guy going to come back? 
sexual abuse for anyone is a traumatic experience. Mm. It leaves horrific scars, especially on children. What happens to the children after you've rescued them, and can they ever really heal? Yeah, yeah. The the answer is yes, they can, and and it's the most important part of our planning. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Jim was there the other day. You know, the first question we asked, we had the police, we had the police up from this particular country that we're working in. Uh, the first question isn't where are we going to do the sting operation? How many bad guys are we going to? The first question is how many kids do you think are going to be rescued on this operation? And what is the plan to heal them permanently? And that's where we come in. We have our aftercare department, and we start planning that first. Uh, because if we can't figure that out, we're not going to do the rescue operation. Mm. And, and when, we, when you take these kids in, it's not just a short time. This is a lifetime, potentially. We're, we're prepared to take these kids and put them in a place where they can heal for years and years until they're ready to stand on their own. Uh, we can't assume that there's parents waiting to receive them because generally that's not going to happen um, because there was no family that's why they got into this and so that part is planned as delicately and as uh, passionately if not more so than the actual sting operation one of the things that has made operation underground railroad so successful is that it operates relatively obscurely now you're going to make a movie are you worried about whether that's going to affect your effectiveness and the safety of the jump teams that go in in the future? Yeah. No, I'm not because uh, it's a great question. It's something we have to consider. Um, we're careful what we reveal uh, in, in media and in, in this film. We will depict the techniques that we use uh, that are things that are happening regardless of if we exist or not. For example, a sex party with children. That's every weekend in every major city in the entire world. So if we depict that technique as in creating this, you know, environment where the bad guys can show up and present who they are and the, the evil in their hearts, well, the, whether they see it, the movie or me talking about it right now or not, isn't gonna, isn't gonna give us away because they're doing that anyway. Now there's certain things that we do, particularly on the on the cyber crimes of things where we would never talk about uh, because they are things that there's, there's direct countermeasures for. Um, and, and, and if by, by chance someone does see this interview or sees the film and they're about to set up a sex party in, 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 in Thailand or, in, or India or wherever, and they think, what, what if it's those Underground Railroad guys? That, well, let's not do that. Well, good, hallelujah, I mean, we, we, we won that one. Mm -hmm. They're thinking now. There's a deterrent. There's, there's a potential consequence, and we have them somewhat on the run. So we're very careful with what we put out. The script is very carefully read by all of our executives. Uh, um, even U.S. government people that I trust and we're very careful with our messaging all the time and then if you come out like I'm doing right now in this interview or if I select other people from my team they lo no longer can do undercover work um, because they can't be recognized but we have so many teams out that you'll never see their faces so we're very we're very cognizant of the of the of the danger of of, of what we can say in public and we and we only say those things that will help us and not hurt us what i loved about the screenplay and believe me i'm very picky when it comes to screenplays i've been doing this for 30 years and this is a fine uh, screenplay and and i was um, lucky to be chosen that tim um, came to me for this but know that it, it's going to be uh, one hell of a challenge and um, I never get the easy ones. This is going to be, but I love it. And, and what's different about this one is there's great hope in it. Mm -hmm. It has such redemption in it. And uh, the good guys win. Mm -hmm.
<laughs> Jim, you are no stranger to phys physical exertion and danger in the roles that you have played. I'm thinking of your portrayal of Jesus Christ in Mel Gibson's The, Passing, the Passion of the Christ. Are you worried about your safety in this role? Oh, I've, I've got Jesus with me. I'm fine. <laughs> I've got a great team uh, around. I'm worried about my safety. This is, this is what I was born to do. Um, it's like some people enjoy climbing Mount Everest, and this is kind of the Mount Everest of, of filmmaking, and uh, it's, it's worth dying for. Mm. Are you afraid you might die? Could happen. Because, I mean, you were struck by lightning during the filming of The Passion of the Christ. The film has to be finished before I can die. I'll be good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are you worried about his physical safety at all? You know, we're, we're, used, to, we're used to taking on those, those threats, and, and uh, we have a plan for him, like we do for the rest of our team, to, to, to protect ourselves. And, and, and like Jim, we're a praying group, and we believe in that power. That's the ultimate power of protection. Who's paying for this movie to come about? I think Jim's. Aren't you footing the bill? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, a great group of people have come together um, uh, to, to, to invest in this, in this production. Uh, uh, some of them, the, the, the Carlos Slim family is, is, is involved. Really? Uh, from Mexico, J.P. Um, John Paul DeJoria. Oh, Fox has helped distributing it. Really? Fo yeah, huh? Fox, Century Fox. And, and for f the folks who don't know who uh, Carlos Slim is, uh, tell them who he is. He's, he's um, one of the wealthiest men on the, on, in, in the world. Um, he, he telecommunications in mm -hmm. Mexico, Latin America. Right. His son Patrick is the kind of the real, uh, the, the point of contact for, for that. He's very passionate about, mm -hmm. what, about what we're doing and, and fighting trafficking. Um, and then there's there's several other um, groups that are, have come in to, to invest in this in this picture, and it's uh, it's the, the people that have invested in it are, are true believers in in what we're doing, and they are um, they this is not just a movie; it's a movement, and they want to continue pushing that movement forward. Who is funding Operation Underground Railroad, though? We we know about the movie, but who's because I mean, you guys are only expanding in right. your in your operations. Yeah, uh, it's we're a nonprofit. We're a 501c3 nonprofit, and we um, our machine is fueled by by the kindness and the charity of of people who will help. Just with DoTerra today. Yeah, DoTerra, for example, Utah-based DoTerra, they're probably our biggest corporate sponsor. We're just there all all afternoon. Mm -hmm. We're doing amazing things with with their help. Uh, we're building uh, aftercare shelters. Uh, we're providing amazing tools to law enforcement throughout the world. Uh, mobile crime labs, d detection dogs that, that can detect digital media that contain child pornography. Just cutting edge uh, technology that doTERRA is an example of, of one of our great uh, helps. Especially, again, they're here, they're here in Utah and we just couldn't be happier with, with them and their, and their kindness and their hearts to, to, mm -hmm. to help us. And, and then the people, you know, f about half of our uh, operations are funded by people who give $5, you know, around 5 to $20 a month. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, so people think, I, I, I'm just giving $5 a month, what's that? That is funding half of our rescue operations, so. Well, so what is the schedule like? I mean, you're going to start shooting here in the next couple of weeks. When do you anticipate the film being ready to release? And what do you hope it accomplishes? Well, from, from what I understand, they'll be done by the end of the summer. Um, and 
sometime next year is when they plan to release it. They don't have an exact date yet. Um, and everyone has the same vision. It's a shared vision from the producers to the director to the writers to the actors. And that is, this is just the beginning. Um, uh, we have to get these stories out. People don't, but you know, you go back to the, the original abolitionists of the 19th century. They're our heroes. How did they strike the end, the beginning of the end of slavery? It was telling stories. It was, it was Harriet Beecher Stowe writing Uncle Tom's Cabin. It was Frederick Douglass getting out and telling his story. Harriet Tubman taking action and then telling the stories about what happened in that action. That's what people woke up to. And then they, they got so loud and they rose up so uh, powerfully that it shook the government. And they had to act. And that was the beginning of the end. It was the people that rose. And so our hope is that that's what this movie will do. Uh, just like maybe a modern day version of, of Uncle Tom's Cabin. You know, where it tells a story that, that, that awakens the world. And, and it's brilliant, the strategy, because really they're thinking about this right now. These are true believers from, like I said, the producers, the writers. So they picked an American star. They have a Mexican movie star, uh, Eduardo Verastegui, who has a major role. They have a, a Colombian star. Uh, they have a, a star from Spain. Be and they, they're doing this on purpose because they want this, this film to be distributed throughout the world so that we, we see, look, we have to come together. All these nations of the world need to come together. And the legislation we're working on with Senator Hatch and, and Congresswoman Mia Love, um, that is going to do the same thing. It's going to go along with the film, creating kind of the vehicle whereby we can all jump in. Uh, and so it, it has to be the beginning of the end of modern-day slavery. That's what this film is to do. Jim, from where you sit, what do you hope to accomplish through this film? Oh, abolitionist, uh, that it ends... I mean, but regardless, I tried to do something. And I, I don't want to be a guy that sits in the middle and makes a choice to do nothing. That is a choice. Um, I'm blessed to know this guy. And, uh, you know, my job right now is to be great. And with God's help, I'll be phenomenal. Actor Jim Caviezel from The Passion of the Christ. Thank you. And Tim Ballard from Operation Underground Railroad. Gentlemen, thank you thank so much you. for being part of Three thank Questions. You. Thank you. Wow. Oh, okay. That, that was phenomenal. I have to catch my breath. Uh, as, as undramatic as that might have seen, it is so heavy when you think about the underlying subject of these children being tortured, raped, and killed. So thank you guys. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you uh, to Tim and to Jim and to the program for those questions. Good stuff. Now, there are other people that I would consider heroes in this, in this uh, fight that I have discovered so far, and, and I challenge others to go ahead and try to find some other heroes in this battle against the most wicked fastest growing international crime of murder and sexual exploitation we've got to do something so I challenge you to join these guys so far I found Tim Ballard and Jim Caviezel obviously and just right prior to that I'd done some research and I had found that Ashton Kutcher is actually very much behind this he is a young man obviously an actor that many of you know but uh, he, he testified in front of Congress, and he flat out said that his day job is catching these bad guys. 
that's his day job. So when people tell him to stick to his day job, he says, yeah, I am. What he's done is he <laughs> has created uh, some software called Spotlight in, in a foundation that he formed. And that's fantastic. I just love that. And, and this, this, this software catches the bad guys in action. You know, it, it lures and captures these predators. And he's even working with the FBI and others on the dark web. And so we're still talking about these guys. So I still have them up on the screen because we're still talking about this topic of who my heroes are. So two of them are sitting on the screen right there still. And another one is Ashton Kutcher. And, you know, I'm kind of surprised that Tim didn't mention exactly who jump-started his uh, effort. But I, I want to mention, now it's on other videos, and you'll hear me talk about it again. But according to Tim, he was in Colombia. The United States had called off the mission, and he called his wife and said, I've got a pension, I've got 17 years, what do I do? And she said, that's easy, you quit. <laughs> what a woman. <laughs> oh my gosh, they had small children, they have six children, seven children, six, six at six the time. Now. Six at the time, they have nine now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so she said, that's easy, quit. And, and you do what's right. He came home. And he couldn't believe that he had to, and he couldn't, he just didn't have the heart to leave those children and the mission behind, but he knew he had to. He, he told him, I'll be back in a month. And he was. He went home, he formed a team, and he started a nonprofit foundation. And quite honestly, it would take quite a chunk to get this foundation going, I would think, because we're talking about personnel and mm -hmm. guns all the equipment equipment yeah yeah uh, the travel expenses mm -hmm. overseas uh, travel yeah. multiple visas bribing people along the way to get in all kinds of stuff he's cia right. right you know former cia now at this point because he quit his job right and he's gone home and he needs money he only mentioned it in one video so far that i've seen but i heard it clear as clear as a bell it was glenn beck Glenn Beck said, Glenn Beck said, I can't meet my maker and tell him I said no. He, um, he put his media company on the line due to insurance reasons, risk factors, and the flat amount of money. Put his, what I imagine must have been Blaze TV, he didn't say that, but I imagine it was Blaze. Yeah. Put his media company on the line to fund Tim's effort to go get these, these pigs. But I'm behind this effort and I hope you are too because we're gonna join these heroes. I like what Jim Caviezel said. He so calmly just said, it's worth dying for. We're gonna take a break and listen to The Buzz. The Buzz is a program that tells us what's going on at Hale Multimedia. I need a break. Hello and welcome to The Buzz. This is Brian with Hale Multimedia, website and mobile app development for over 25 years. The Buzz is designed to keep our customers and friends aware of what projects we're currently working on. Let's take a look. We've been designing websites for over 25 years, so in that time frame, a lot of customers have had their sites redone. So there's a couple I'd like to tell you about. First of all, Sangre de Cristo Outfitters. 
in Colorado. Over 26,000 private acres, elk and deer hunting, 90% success rate. These guys have experienced guides. This is a quality hunt that you can count on. We'll be redesigning their website very soon. That's Sangre de Cristo Outfitters, the Schultz family in Colorado, West Cliff area. We also have the privilege of working with Yellowstone Year-Round Adventures with Steve Braun. In that outfit, they're celebrating over 20 years of hosting more than 40,000 guests as an internationally recognized company. These guys specialize in hiking and wildlife safaris, day tours, educational courses, and other recreational adventures for groups, families, and individuals. And we know you're going to have a great time up in Yellowstone if you contact Yellowstone Year-Round Adventures. We also have a Japanese segment of that website as well as an English segment. We'll let you know when it launches. Another fun website and a great person to work with is Mr. Will Bailey, a piano instructor for many years, very talented musician, and he has a website, willbaileypianotunes.com. That's getting a fresh redesign here, and my wife's been working on that. That's a fun site because teachers can get on there and subscribe to a service and download and print tunes instantly and use as many as you wish. A lifetime membership's only $30. This is one of the best bargains in music teaching history. WillBaileyPianoTunes.com It's up there now, but look for a new redesign soon. And that's going to do it for today's Buzz at Hale Multimedia, sponsored by Green Gold Natural Healing. In today's world, our body's immune system is critical to staying alive and healthy. Find the best immunity system building products at GreenGoldNaturalHealing.com my wife and I believe so much in these products that we became representatives in order to help others. Visit GreenGoldNaturalHealing.com. And as always, thanks again for listening and may God bless. I'm Brian Hale. Okay, <clears throat> we're back and we're about ready to get into the next segment. But before we do, this is a story here, and it is titled Six Forms of Human Trafficking and Exploitation and How OUR Fights to End Each One. Andrea is going to read that article to us. This article just talks about the ones that they're directly involved with. And number one, of course, is child sex trafficking. The statistics are um, on child sex trafficking. Um, child sex trafficking has been reported in all 50 U.S. states, according to NCMEC, which is the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Um, so if you think it's not happening near you, uh, you are wrong. It's everywhere. Uh, the extent of family involvement in the trafficking of children is up to four times higher than in cases of adult trafficking. Child sex trafficking refers to recruitment, harboring, transportation, provision, obtaining, patronizing, or soliciting of a minor for the purpose of commercial sex act. A higher percentage of identified children are trafficked sexual exploitation than for forced labor. 
Pimps and traffickers sexually exploit children through street prostitution and in adult nightclubs, illegal brothels, sex parties, motel rooms, hotel rooms, and other locations throughout the U.S. Psychological manipulation is the means of control used most by traffickers on children. And CTDC data, just over half, 53% of all male victims trafficked in sexual ex exploitation are children. Now, um, on OurRescue.org, there are several stories um, throughout this website um, that uh, gives you some information on how they're handling all of these. Um, number two, online exploitation um, or online incitement. In recent NCMEC analysis of cyber tip line reports of online incitement, it was found that nearly all children did not know the person they were communicating with online. Watch your kids online, everyone. Mm -hmm. Sextortion. First contact is typically by phone via a social media friend request. Victims are targeted on platform, platforms that they frequent. So just because you think those kids are safe doesn't necessarily mean that they are. Um, then number three is online exploitation, child sexual abuse material. So on the statistics with that, there are new technologies, technologies that are facilitating live streaming of sexual abuse of children using web cameras or cell phones, often for profit. 78% of images and videos analyzed by cybertip.ca depict children under 12 years old. In 2004, NCMEC reviewed 450,000 child sexual abuse files, but in 2019, they reviewed 70 million child sexual abuse files. And that does it for another edition of Digging Deeper. Visit our website to catch this podcast and many others anytime. You can also watch our live TV network, browse our on-demand content, read our controversial articles, or sign up if you feel led to join the cause for defending our Constitution. It's all on diggingdeeper.us. We appreciate you listening, and remember, visit diggingdeeper.us to learn more about what we're doing to bring truth to light.